Hey, welcome to the official podcast of St. Luke Amy Church located in Garland, Texas. I am Pastor Amos St. John. And I am Pastor Jasmine St. John. We are the lead pastors of St. Luke Garland. And we're so excited that you have decided to listen to this podcast. Listen, we pray that the message you are about to hear will bless you right where you are. If you want to know any more information about our church, you can visit us at org. Now, get ready for the word. Good morning, St. Luke. March is Women's History Month, and I'm so excited uh, that we get to start off the month of March celebrating and commemorating uh, the impact that women have had on our American history. Uh, This text this morning is going to be a story of two women that is knitted together. We're going to unpack that over the next couple of weeks. So let's go ahead and turn uh, to the book of Luke, the eighth chapter, and I'm going to read verses 40 through 53. Uh, This text this morning, it kind of reads like a story. So I'm going to go ahead and read it in its entirety uh, this week. And it reads as such. The other side of the lake, the crowds welcomed Jesus because they had been waiting for him. Then a man named Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was dying. As Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. And she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, someone deliberately touched me for I felt healing power go out from me. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden She began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Verse 49, while he was still speaking to her, a messenger arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. He told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But when Jesus heard what had happened, he said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith and she will be healed. When they arrived at the house, Jesus wouldn't let anyone go in with him except Peter, John and James and the little girl's father and mother. The house was filled with people weeping and wailing, but he said, stop the weeping. She isn't dead. She's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him because they knew she had died. And then Jesus took her by the hand and said in a loud voice, my child, get up. And at that moment, her life returned and she immediately stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were overwhelmed, but Jesus insisted that they tell that they not tell anyone what had happened. Our title for our sermonic moment this week is Hidden Figures. Let us pray. God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the preaching moment. We thank you that you have a word to speak to us today. God, we thank you that you have a word for those of us who feel hidden. 
for the situations that feel hidden, for your wondrous working power in hidden situations. And now, God, let the word of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Hidden Figures. <laughs> there was a movie entitled Hidden Figures, which was based on a true story released in 2016 that details the story of a team of African-American women who were mathematicians and engineers that served a vital role in NASA during the early 1960s in the U.S. race to space. These women, these African-American women were the brains behind one of the greatest operations in U.S. history. They were considered to be human computers performing daily complex calculations and quickly rose through the ranks, even without promotion or title, granting them the opportunity to calculate uh, the launch and the return of U.S. astronaut John Glenn and other space programs. This one, these women, Dorothy Vaughn and Mary Jackson and Katherine Johnson, who were hidden amongst a group of women that worked in the segregated West Area Computing Division of NASA, used their gifts, skills and abilities to advance the world as we know it. Uh, but were not seen as people and were not seen as equal. They were so disregarded that their co-workers mistook them for janitors, uh, thought nothing of withholding valuable information from them or concerning themselves with the time in which it takes to complete such a rigorous task without giving them credit. They felt underappreciated, unadvanceable and diminished uh, to, to the help instead of being vital contributors to the U.S. space program. They were hidden. They were hidden, yet they were the most important pieces of the U.S. space program at that time. Their analytic minds allowed for a successful launch and landing on the moon and in areas of the space program, yet to the world, they were hidden. Yes, they were the first African-American supervisor at NASA and the first woman to be a part of the Space Command Center and the first woman African-American woman engineer at NASA. But they were hidden. What was so significant about Dorothy Vaughn, Mary Jackson and Katherine Johnson were not just their amazing analytical and calculating ability, uh, but they were also given the ability to pivot. When a new assignment came, uh, when the department became obsolete, when the schools remained segregated, when there was no protocol for women to be allowed in certain protected spaces, when the information was redacted from them, they were able to push beyond boundaries and continue outperforming everything, including the new IBM computer. They were able to pivot. They were able to take life's interruptions and pivot. They were able to keep pushing the needle forward and keep uh, tearing down barriers after barriers, proving their value to those who long doubted them. And they were able to come to the table and not just because of the color of their skin, but they were able to pivot and break through because they were amazing at what they did. 
took life's interruptions and uncertainties and pivoted into a position that despite efforts to keep their names and their story hidden from being remembered. And though they may have passed on to the ancestors, we still remember them to this day, despite it all. Just like uh, the prize that's in a cereal box discovered by a child or even an adult, just like the sweet center on the inside of a truffle, just like that chocolatey center of a Tootsie Pop, just like the plot twist of a good movie, they were hidden. It's just like when you're, you're putting together the ingredients of your favorite recipe and everybody has a favorite dish that they like to make. Maybe it's a macaroni and cheese dish or maybe it's your mother's biscuits or spicy gumbo. Maybe it's your grandfather's uh, spicy rub for the brisket. The ingredients remain the same, passed down from generation to generation or family to family. But how many of you know, in order to make something taste more than wonderful, it requires always a hidden ingredient. It's that secret ingredient that holds the essence of what makes your dish the hit. It's what makes that dish poppin'. It's the intrinsic nature or indispensable quality of a thing the essence of a thing that is hidden within itself. Yet, when you remove it, it loses its flavor. It's hidden. There are many hidden figures woven within the stories of our own lifetime and beyond. The things that we do not do and the things that we cannot see, the things that are not yet revealed and the things that are overlooked and perhaps even some of the things that we take for granted. They are hidden. There are hidden figures right here at St. Luke. Those that we may not know the names of, but their impact still remains. They are hidden within the spirit and the life and the longevity of our church. There are hidden figures within our denomination and our connectional church at large that still has an impact to this day from decades and centuries before. They are hidden. Had it not been for hidden figures, we would not be where we are today. Who are the hidden figures in your life? The ones who have had an, a hand in who you are, the essence of who you are, the one who helped get you to where you are, the one who forged who you are in your life. Those hidden figures What the ministry of Jesus shows for us is that not one person is too insignificant. No moment too small, nothing not noteworthy that cannot be used to illustrate the wonder and majesty of Jesus and the glory of God. The prioritization of what we may feel is important and the significant moment is a constant battle. Oftentimes we diminish the value of one's contribution or the value of a moment and dismiss it as insignificant. And yet what we consider to be small, what we consider to be insignificant is what God sees to be significant. 
None more truer in my own life as a wife, a mother, a daughter, a sister, a pastor, an executive aide, a media director, even an agent or entrepreneur. There are times where I have to reassess the priorities of what needs to get done from day to day, sometimes from hour to hour and even minute by minute. There are times where I know as a pastor that I should be writing a sermon that's significant to the ministry and yet equally as significant. There is a girl, a young girl, my daughter, who sits there with her mother to show her the latest thing that she learned how to do on her Nintendo. And she just wants me to look at her without distraction. What may seem insignificant and what may seem like it can wait. Something so small of just paying attention to what she's doing in the moment. No matter how it may seem off of the priority at the moment can be so significant and affirming for her in this developmental stage for her to feel like her mother is interested in the things that she is interested in, not as her pastor or her provider or any of my other titles, but to know that her mother cares. The ministry of Jesus is the same way. It's all about the hidden figures and the prioritization of the things that we feel is significant, even when it feels like it's insignificant to others. Jesus in his ministry to the poor, the downtrodden, the sick, the afflicted, the dead, the least of these, those have that have gone without a second look by those around him. He brings them to the forefront, the hidden figures. And although in our text this morning, the names of the woman with the issue of blood and Jairus's daughter are seemingly deemed insignificant to the writer of that particular time because they're not notated for us. It's, it's common for the culture at the time, but it's their story. It's their encounter with Jesus that illustrates for us just how significant they really are. Here we find Jesus. He's now come out of the wilderness where he spent 40 days being tempted by Satan and he's beginning his ministry. He has already chosen his disciples. And as Luke 8 tells us, he has now traveled from every city and every village, preaching and spreading the good news of God's kingdom. And Luke's gospel captures the divine at work. Jesus had healed a man with leprosy and Jesus had healed the paralyzed man that had been lowered from the roof. Jesus had healed the widow's son back from the dead. Jesus had calmed the raging sea. Jesus had cast out a legion of demons from the man on the coast. And here at the beginning of Luke eight, the chapter opens by telling us that it was the women who poured into the ministry of Jesus with their resources. That's right. Jesus had healed and blessed and set free men and women and children, but it was the women among them that poured their resources into Jesus's ministry. There among them was Mary Magdalene, whom he had cast seven demons out of. There among them was Joanna, the wife of Chesa, Herod's business manager. There among them was Susanna and many other women who contributed and sowed into the ministry of Jesus. Go read it for yourself. It's right there in Luke 8 and 1. And then in our text, because of the women and their resources, we find Jesus coming back to the other side of the lake 
where even more crowds were waiting for him. And he was greeted by the leader of the local synagogue, a man of importance named Jairus, who came and fell at the feet of Jesus, pleading that Jesus come with him as his only daughter, who was 12 years old, was dying. And as Jesus was following Jairus home to see about his little girl, his daughter, whose life is now being cut short, crowds begin to crush around him on every side. They swarm Jesus. And in the midst of that crowd was a a hidden figure, a woman described to have an issue of blood. Jesus could not see her. She was hidden. Somebody say hidden. Now put a pin in that right there because we're going to touch on this subject next week. But just then, Someone comes from the house of Jairus and tells him that he should not bother Jesus anymore because his daughter is dead. How many of you and how many times have you been told or felt like you should not bother Jesus anymore because that situation is dead? How many times has there been something that you have needed Jesus to come and see about? And in the midst of your praying and in the midst of your believing, in the midst of your faith walk, something down on the inside or perhaps someone with the unmitigated God tells you, don't bother Jesus with that any longer. It's too late. It's not going to happen. You tried your best. There's nothing that you can do. Don't bother him any longer. But you see, this is why this story had to be told. We, we may not know her name. We may not know much about who she turned out to be. But this hidden figure, this 12 year old girl gives us proof in the word of God. That when things seem insurmountable, when things seem like they are dead and they're not worth bothering Jesus with, there's a savior who can still take care of the hidden things. He takes care of the hidden figures. Jesus, when he overheard that the girl had died, didn't even give Jairus a chance to process the information. When he heard what he had, what had been said, He didn't give him the chance to internalize that his child had died. Jesus turned to him and said, do not be afraid. Just have faith and she will be healed. And I don't know who is who this is for, but Jesus is saying to you, do not be afraid. I, I know it may not look like it. I know it may not seem like it, but God is going to use your story. And he is going uh, to use your testimony and they may not even know who you are, but he's going to use the hidden figure to bless someone and to stretch their faith. Jesus said, don't be afraid, just have faith. Yeah, I I know uh, when you have been going through, it may seem easier said than done. But don't give up. Even when they come to tell you that there's nothing more that they can do, don't give up. Even when they say that there's no use in bothering him anymore, don't you give up. 
even when you think that your contributions are not worth anything and that it's insignificant, don't give up. Don't be afraid. Just have faith. So Jesus arrives at the house of Jairus. The crowd has now gathered around the home, having followed Jesus there. Ah, Jesus only takes in with him Peter, James, John, Jairus, and his wife. And when they go inside, the house was already filled with people who were weeping and mourning the death of this young girl. And Jesus takes the reality of death and pivots this once insurmountable finality and turns it into an opportunity for the miraculous. Even in dead situations, Jesus said, this is not the time to cry. For what we can't see is that she is sleeping and is not dead. Jesus is able to take a situation that appears dead to man and is able to say this situation is not through you shall live. He took the girl by the hand as she laid there lifeless and said to her, my child, get up. And without delay, life returned to her body. You missed your moment to to shout right there. He took her, the the little girl by the hand uh, who folk counted out, who seemed to be in a situation that would never turn around. He took her by the hand and said, get up. And I just stopped by to tell someone who needed to hear it this morning that you shall live. It shall happen. It will come to pass. It's not over until God says it's over. You shall live and not die. The songwriter puts it this way. You're going to live to see it happen. It's time for you to get up. You have been waiting on your miracle. The miracle is here. Get up. You have been waiting for things to turn around. It's already done. Get up. You have been waiting for God to show up in your situation. It's already happened. Get up. You have been waiting for your breakthrough. Get up. You have been waiting for a deliverance. Get up. You have been waiting for an answer. Get up. You have been waiting for the miraculous. Get up. He's not through with you yet. He's not done. He has the final say. So keep living and keep pressing and keep going. You have to keep coming to Jesus with your issue and keep pressing. Don't leave the teacher behind because at the appointed time, Jesus is going to reach his hand down to you and say, it's time for you to get up. And when you least expect it in those moments, where progress seems to be halted and the mountain seems insurmountable. Jesus comes to see about the least of these. He'll, he'll come back. 
to see about the ones who have been looked over. He'll he'll come see about the ones who have been passed over for promotion. He'll come see about the ones who feel like they are undervalued. He'll come see about the ones whose light has been hidden under a bushel. He'll come see about the ones whose life's work and story has been underappreciated. He'll come see about the ones who may feel like uh, you would be at a different point in life. He'll come see about the ones who are hurting and lonely. He'll come see about the ones who wonder why their significant other hasn't crossed their paths. Ah, he'll come see about the ones who have afflictions in their bodies and doctors have not been able to provide them an answer. He'll come see about the ones who feel like they're at their wits end. And he'll perform a miracle in the lives of those who feel like they are hidden. Jesus is reminding us this morning that he does not see things the way in which man sees them. When folk count you out, you can thank them because you have now been put on God's radar. You you may feel like you are hidden, but God sees you and God hears you. So do not be afraid. Just have faith and get up. Let the blessed people of God say amen and amen again. Come on and thank God for all the hidden figures that are in your life. Come on and thank God if you feel like you have been hidden. This message was specifically for you. And I don't know who may have needed to hear it this morning, but God is saying he sees you and he sees what you may deem insignificant. And he's here to tell you it's time for you to get up. You may be watching this morning and you may have never acknowledged Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'm telling you, you who feel hidden, you who feel lost, you who feel like uh, there's no hope and no reason to come and bother with this Jesus that we preach about. He's talking to you. He's inviting you uh, to the gift of life. The way in which you can receive him today is just by praying this prayer with me this morning. Come on, let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I am sorry. I believe that you were born for my sins. I believe that you died for my sins. And I believe that you rose and that you're coming back again. Come into my heart even now so that I can acknowledge from this day forward that I am saved, I am saved, I am saved. If you have prayed that prayer for the very first time, I'm asking you now, come on and acknowledge Christ in the comments for me or send me an email at info at info at stlukegarland.org or perhaps you're watching and you're saying pastor I want to be a part of that church I want to partner with you I want to be a part of this body of believers if that is you you have been watching for far too long it's time for you to go ahead and join the body of believers here at St. Luke Garland 
And you can do so by acknowledging that in the comments or by sending us an email as well at info at stlukegarland.org. We pray and thank God for those of you who have given your life to Christ and for those of you who are joining the church even now. Hey family, we pray that this word has encouraged and inspired you. If you want to know more information about St. Luke Garland or if you want to sew, please visit our website at stlukegarland.org. We'll see you next week.